Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest. Guest. His name is Nick Shaw. Nick is the co-founder of Renaissance Periodization, better known as simply as RP. That's a tough one to say, so I'm happy to say RP. A multi-million dollar health and fitness company that has improved the lives of hundreds of thousands of clients around the world. His story and the story of RP has appeared on Forbes, which chronicled Renaissance Periodization's rise from a small business into an influential tech company with an industry-leading app available through apps, Apple's App Store and, and Google Play. Nick has also helped to coach numerous world-class athletes, including CrossFit Games champions, international medalists in weightlifting, UFC fighters, Navy SEALs, and Olympians. Nick and his team have also sold hundreds of thousands of books over the years, ranging from nutrition, training, recovery, and eating, and creating healthy habits. Nick, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm glad that we can just call it RP or RP strength. It's a heck of a lot easier to spell. Yeah, yeah. It, so, it sounds super important and it is super important. Um, so before we get into that important stuff, Nick, why don't you, we dig deeper? Um, it, it, tell us a bit more about your entrepreneurial background. Where'd it come from? Did you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs? Or are you the first? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Uh, I grew up in very, you know, small rural town in uh, Southern Michigan. I happened to go to school at University of Michigan, which is actually, if we go down the accidental entrepreneur route, I actually did an internship the summer before my sophomore year where I was in charge of like a painting crew. And I guess I did pretty well in hindsight because I was invited back for a second year and I had like the biggest job that was booked in the state that year. Um, so I guess that was like my first experience in entrepreneurship and I just got a job out of college working as a personal trainer and just quickly realized that the way they treated people and mm-hmm. did things just didn't make a lot of sense. And so after that, I just kind of went out on my own and that was really sort of how RP, I guess, technically began, but I just kind of always wanted to, uh, I don't know, I guess march to the beat of my own drum, so to speak. Well, I like to call it more of an accidental entrepreneurship. It's uh, not something like I grew up just always saying, hey, yes, I'm going to run my own business or whatever. But it just kind of grew out of what I loved and what I love is fitness. And so here we are, you know, a decade later. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, that's, I think what's one of the best ways uh, that some people get pushed into business is sort of they see things that they didn't like at the businesses they worked for. And without naming names, maybe you could just give us a little insight in, into that you know, what are some of the things that you saw like, wow, this, this could be done completely differently. And obviously it's led to your success. Sure. I can give one really good example. Uh, when it comes to paying your employees, I don't like holding on to other people's money. I'm going to make sure people are paid as quick as possible uh, by and large. And so how I kind of stumbled upon that, not that it's even stumbling upon it because it seems like common sense the gym that I worked for, you know, they would give us a paycheck on Friday. They did not have direct deposit. Hmm. wasn't a thing. They would give us a check on Friday and say, hey, don't cash this until Monday. Mm. 
So kind of rub people really the long way. And listen, if you don't want to take care of your employees very well, and you don't want to show them that you care about them, you appreciate them, well, guess what? They're not going to want to stay very long. They're going to basically have one foot out the door. And I'm not saying it's only because of this reason, you know, we pay people pretty quick or whatever at RP, but we have a pretty dang low turnover rate with folks, whether it's employees or consultants, because listen, we value what they do. I want to make sure that they get paid and they're treated pretty well. And I'm not going to set on people's money because I just, I hate that idea. I hate it when it was done to me and I didn't want to do it to other people. So there you go. Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, how, what a giant oversight by folks like that, who, whatever business they're running, right? I mean, if you're service-based, if you're a service-based business, your people are everything. That is literally everything. It's your product. It's how you operate. Um, so good. I, I, I think those are some of the best lessons. I mean, then it gets you off on the, on the right foot for sure. So once you got into personal trading and everything, is it, I mean, did you have, were you an athlete before this? Is that where your passion and mindset for nutrition, fitness, training, and that all came from? Yeah, totally. So I just always grew up. Uh, I had an older brother that lifted weights. And so I got, I guess, introduced to it at a pretty early age, about 12 or 13. And then uh, I had one experience. I talk about this a little bit in my book. I just I think it's kind of funny. Uh, I went from being probably like one of the worst runners on my team cross country freshman year of high school to first day of practice sophomore year running with the top, you know, folks from the year before. And it was really because I was the only person that actually did all the work that the coach told us to do. And I thought to myself, huh, I'm definitely not very talented, but if I work really, really hard and do things that most other people won't, I'm going to have a chance. And so that was just pretty cool experience for me early on, you know, when I'm, call it 14 or something like that. I said, Oh, guess what? I work really hard. I get better. There's probably something to this. And so that's kind of this really early experience for me that kind of laid the foundation of, well, no matter what you do, work really hard and just aim to keep getting a little bit better in each and everything that you do. And that has so many perfect analogies for uh, fitness. So obviously there's always more reps you can do more weight you can lift, you know, you can usually get lean or something like that. So there's always something more to strive for. Well, you take that mindset and now you apply it to business and it's really the perfect analogy for both because you can always get better at business. You can always, you know, improve your reviews. You can you know, reach more people, you can probably grow unless, you know, cause I'm sure Apple's out there going, how do we keep growing? How do we keep mm-hmm. doing things? So there's always more out there. So I just, I really love that mindset of always trying to achieve, always trying to do a little bit more, always trying to get a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great thing to, again, base your life on, you know, we're talking about like setting, setting the stage here um, for success. So uh, there's a statistic I wanted to read to you um, and maybe you've heard about it too. And maybe that is, you know, coinciding with what you're doing with RP. Um, according to Trust for America's Health 2020 report, quote, the U.S. adult obesity rate stands at 42.4%. And that's the first time the national rate has passed the 40% mark and further evidence of the country's obesity crisis. I'm reading it verbatim from, from their publication. The national adult obesity rate has increased by 26% since 2008. Um, that's an insane increase. Uh, that was just be, me talking again. Additionally, uh, you know, obesity has been shown to be a key driver of some of, the, of, of a nation's COVID health toll, uh, death toll. So, you know, we, these, these, are, these are the facts. Um, I'm not here to spin it. Um, during that COVID area and, and with all of that kind of coming into play, have you seen an increase in the population finally starting to care about this obesity crisis? Um, 
for for all of those reasons, or, or are you seeing apathy? I mean, you're, the growth you're showing with your company, I'm I'm hopefully optimistic in your answer. So we, I have a bias sample to go on because what we cater towards a little bit more is people that are already into fitness a little mm-hmm. bit versus, you know, general population folks that maybe have never gotten into fitness or don't care as much or whatever. Uh, listen, I'm with you. I would certainly hope that especially after what 2020 kind of brought and showed everyone that people would really be waking up like, Hey, I really need to take care of my health more. And I will say from like when I started mm-hmm. RP a decade ago, it seems like, you know, the, the whole growing health trend, people wanting to care a little bit more about, about fitness, I would say seems to be increasing. But then at the same time, when you read that uh, percentage and, and sometimes you just go outside and, you know, go to different places where there's a lot of people, you might get a different you, know, you might think differently. And so I think I just have a little bit of a biased sample because most of the people that we work with are already kind of into fitness. So I'm going to be pretty heavily skewed there. I mean, listen, I think everyone should care about health because guess what? That's the one thing you only get one life. You, you, if you don't have your health, I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care whatever. If you don't have your health. You fundamentally don't have probably the most important thing that there is in life, which mm-hmm. is your health. So it's, uh, it's a wake-up call, I think. So hopefully 2020 maybe served as a wake-up call for a lot of people, but uh, I'm maybe skeptical that that actually happened by and large for, you know, America as a whole. Yeah. I mean, those numbers are just, uh, uh, they were just astounding to me. I actually read that this morning, not even leading up to our our, our interview and, and, and talk today, something totally different. So it was kind of coincidental that it, that it sort of came up. Um but either way, I, I think it's something to, that somebody, everybody should be aware of. And you're absolutely right about you, you could make you could make millions and millions of dollars. You could have all kinds of everything, 50 houses. But if you're sick, like, what does it matter? What what does it matter at all? Um, so, you know, I, I hope that you're, I assume it does, your product and everything that you guys are doing. Well, hopefully people will hear this and kind of move in that direction. Um, yeah, well, I think there's, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the fitness industry in general seems to be taking off, you know, whether it's, you know, something like Peloton, that I guess is kind of caught on and, you know, there's different things like that and sort of the, the workout at home thing definitely increased in 2020. So hopefully people now know that, I mean, you don't have to go to a gym. You don't have to do all this crazy stuff. Now, I'm a big fan of people want to go to the gym and listen, I think there's, especially for something uh, like CrossFit, there's just a big community aspect. I'm not saying you have to do CrossFit or anything Mm -hmm. like that, of course, but uh, you know, a lot of people out there like that social aspect. So if you can go to a gym, great, but guess what? The cool thing about learning and knowledge and all that is you learn it and now you go, oh, hey, I don't want to have to drive 30 minutes to the gym. I'm going to work out at home. You can get great workouts at home. So again, I hopefully it decreases the barriers for people to enter into fitness and taking it seriously. So I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm probably optimistic by, uh, by nature. So again, I might be skewed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point about maybe starting from home and then your, your app obviously is going to help with sort of maybe the introverts that are afraid of going to the gym, you know, just getting out there and doing it. I, I'm certainly one of them where I like to work out on my own, climbing up mountains and all that sort of stuff. Um, when we, right before we got on, and actually I'm looking behind you right now on, on the screen here, I, I see a, an awesome photo of University of Michigan, the football stadium there. 
Tell us about that. Um, so you graduated in, in 2009 and, and you first targeted athletes and bodybuilders with, with, your, with your company, but then you, you realized quickly that there were limits to that, right? And that you only had so much time during the day. Tell us about that pivot you made after that realization and then what it's led to where you're at now. Yeah, well, first, thanks for noticing the picture. It's uh, maybe not a great time to be a Michigan football fan, but uh, listen, grew up in Michigan, born and raised, love Michigan. Um, yeah, so I was a personal trainer, uh, just was into bodybuilding and powerlifting. Um, that's where I met uh, my colleague at University of Michigan. So we both moved out to New York City. We were working as trainers. Uh, it's, I kind of quickly realized that, hey, I'm not sure I want to do this the rest of my life because you're having to travel all over New mm-hmm. York City to you know, work with one client downtown, one client uptown, and you really have to bust your tail. And you know, you got to work early. You got to stay late if you're a personal trainer because you get people on the front end of work, you get people on the back end. You know, after work's out, so it's really tough to do to make a make a good living. And you know, my buddy was getting into online coaching. This is circa 2010, 2011, kind of before it blew up to this really big thing that it is now. And he's like, "Hey, you should start doing this with me." And I said, "Okay, cool." started doing it realized that I didn't have to leave my apartment. I could write multiple programs in like an hour, the same time that I would spend with one individual. That's myself, huh? This seems like a bit more efficient use of my time and resources. And that's when this shift started to occur in my head where I went to, you know, all in-person training to maybe 50, 50, doing a little bit of each. And by the time I left New York city in 2015 was 95, five. And then when we, uh, my wife and I moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina from New York city, I've never turned back. I've never done anything in person. And just that sort of progression from in-person to online to even online coaching is not infinitely scalable. So yeah, we have, you know, 25 or so coaches, but that's kind of what led to us creating digital products and the digital products. I mean, you could sell 10 billion of them and it's not really going to make a difference whether you sell a hundred or a hundred thousand. Yeah. Tell us about some of those lessons that you learned as you, as you, made that pivot and then you started to scale up. You know, what, are, what are some of the lessons that maybe some other business owners that are listening to this podcast could, could, could learn from you? There was lots of pain points along the way. I remember you know, having to try to do everything myself when the business was just kind of starting to just maybe start to go up a little bit exponentially. And I was trying to do everything myself. And I was like, man, there's just so much that I don't know that I had to seek out some consultants to come in and help with you know, things like email marketing, uh, building out automation. Because here's the funny thing, we used to sell these digital products. I used to have to manually send every single one when they first launched, which is just a nightmare, right? It's oh my terrible. God. Yeah. Actually, I remember my wife and I like flew down to Charlotte to look for houses. And so here we are doing this, like our kids are in New York City. I think my mom was up there or something with them. We flew down here for basically like 24 hours. We had to look at houses all day long. We finally get back to the hotel, you know, like nine o'clock or whatever. And I had to sit down and like do a couple hours of work of just this manual repetitive stuff of sending. And I said, I just, I cannot continue doing this. So luckily a friend of mine was like, hey, you should look into some email automation. We build out that framework and lo and behold, I'm not even kidding. Once we then had that automation in, in place and it was working, so someone makes an order, it's now automatically sent. I don't have to do anything, systems in place. I'm not even telling you, it was definitely that hockey stick Mm. that that you talk about. And so, because now I could spend my time doing 50 other things that are much more important that, you know, there was no reason that I should have been doing all this. So I think a lot of times early entrepreneurs get caught up in that 
ah, you know, I think I need to do everything because like, I'm the only one that can do it. I can't really trust other people to do it. And it's really tempting to fall into that. And, you know, there's a, I'm going to say a little bit of a leap of faith because you're probably not making a ton of money quite yet. So it's, it seems like this big risk, but chances are, if you do take that quote unquote leap of faith, start bringing in some other side, some other people to help you start to automate things and all that, it's almost certainly going to be worth it. Yeah. And the, and the proof is in the pudding. I mean, the fact that, you know, so kind of moving towards the, that proof, Forbes did a feature uh, story about you guys. And, and one thing I'm going to quote you here is, quote, we're slowly becoming a tech company, even more than a fitness company. I find that so fascinating. Tell us about that transition. And because, you you know, tell so maybe and maybe like you tell us about the app, what it does and, and how that's kind of led to, I mean, not only is it going to be, it's more efficient for you. Like you said, you're going to be able to spend more time with the family. You still have that balance, but hopefully you're able to reach the masses and we can hopefully stop and take a dent in this crisis that we talked about earlier. Yeah. So we, once we realized we, we did an ebook or whatever in 2014, we're like, wow, this is really cool. This was able to reach a couple thousand people basically day one or, or you know, whatever. It's like, well, how do we take the one-on-one coaching model and how do we, how do we scale that? How do we systematize it? So we created these things called diet templates and they were these really ugly Excel files, but you know, rather than I'm sure you know, this software development takes a long time. It is super expensive. So what did we do? We basically went the MVP model. We're like, all right, let's just get something out there. It costs us literally nothing. It's an Excel file. But again, we basically proved the concept. We proved that people actually wanted something like this. We proved that they worked they caught on like wildfire. A couple months later, people are sharing them on social media and other results and everything, their before and afters. They took off. We were like, wow, this is really cool. So we, uh, we iterated those a couple of times, but it, we, we kind of knew like, all right, let's just keep doing this. And on the flip side, on the down low, in the back of our heads, we're, we're sort of building up to this app because we know that's eventually the future. That's what we want to do. And so we were able to, you know, hire internal developers to, to build the app. We didn't have to outsource or whatever because we had these products that worked really well. At the same time, we knew eventually that we wanted to shift to the app. And so that's why, you know, that quote, uh, it is funny because, you know, my buddy and I, we, we like to joke, he's got a PhD, super, super smart uh, in sport physiology. But uh, really at the end of the day, we're just a couple of meatheads. And so here we are you know, <laughs> running, a, running a quote unquote tech company. It's uh it's really funny. So, you know, we had to make sure we brought in some people that really knew what they were doing on the software development side. And uh, we've done that. Yeah. And again, kind of attributing to what you said is where a lot of early entrepreneurs think they need to do it all. I can't imagine, you know, I, I think if I think about an app myself, it's like, I'm not going to teach myself coding. There's no way, right? You just get the, get the concept out there, get the fundamentals there and somebody else can fill in that big gap for you and kind of tie it all together. Um, let's talk about your book a little bit. So your newest book, I think, is it's called Fit for Success, yes? Yep, yep. So it was released uh, right, right before the end of 2020 because I thought it uh, had, had a lot of good principles that will help people get through 2020, which was, you know, hell of a year for a lot of people. Yeah. And so there's seven success habits in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could briefly unpack those for us. Sure. Yeah. So at the base of the pyramid, kind of the most important one, I think maybe gets a little overlooked, but it's so basic that that's why it uh, – it's probably the shortest chapter in the book, but it's also the most important. So a little bit of a uh, irony there. It's just work ethic. And really at the end of the day, the best way to think about that is, listen, you can have all the best ideas in the world, but until they're acted upon and you actually do something about them, they don't really matter. So that's why work ethic is so important. 
And oftentimes I think that gets overlooked a little bit because people like to sit and think about things. That's great. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But you really have to have a plan of action. Above that internal locus of control, for me, it just the more that I sit and think about this, it's just so, so important. A lot of people get caught up on what other people are doing or things that they have no control over. And that's just a recipe for disaster. So really internal locus of control just means you focus on the things you actually can control. Then you get into positive mindset, you know, again, being optimistic, being hopeful. Then you get into discipline, you have to have discipline. You're not always gonna to wanna to do the things that you do, but lo and behold, regardless of that, you just have to have the discipline to keep doing them. Then you get into your, your purpose and meaning, which I think helps drive a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then failure, which is, Seems counterintuitive, right? When you talk about success, but failure is so important. And for us, it's kind of that iterative process along the way of these, you know, templates are sled into the app. That's kind of how we failed our way to success. And then at the very tip of the pyramid, you get into recharge. So a lot of entrepreneurs want to go, 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 go. But at the end of the day, you know, you, if you drive a car on empty, what's going to happen? You run out of gas. You end up going nowhere. So it's just something that you have to be uh, mindful of. Yeah, the recharge is important. And maybe also one, one that, I, that isn't in your seven that I would love to ask you, especially as somebody who's into fitness like you are in nutrition, tell us about your morning routine. Like, how do you start your day out and set yourself up for success and, and, and moving ahead in the way you are? Yeah, so in, in my book I actually laid out that I thought people you know, needed to get up really early. And listen, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I, I think um, that's probably the one thing that I've pivoted the most on from when I wrote the book because – Listen, it was COVID and my kids were being homeschooled and we weren't really having to go anywhere. So there was like a good, you know, year, year and a half plus where I, I didn't really have any obligations where I had to go out and do things. Um, so I was able to you know, go to bed earlier, get up earlier. And listen, I think that's huge. But at the same time, I want to say as long as you're taking some time throughout the day to, you know, focus on yourself, do some self-learning, you know, make time for your health and fitness, of course, you know, uh, practice some mindfulness. I think it's really important just to kind of help you detach from things, not be so emotionally charged when it comes to making decisions. If you're able to do that at some point during the day, I think that's really the critical piece. Now, for a lot of people, it's just a convenient thing. If you can do it when you get up in the morning, hey, it's out of the way. You don't have to worry about, you know, kids appointments, uh, work that runs late, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things that can come up during the day. So for a lot of people, maybe it's harder to do later on. I think as long as you're getting it in at some point, Whenever it fits your schedule, I think that's probably the most important part. Yeah, good deal. So if we could wind back time a little bit and just knowing what you know now, and if, and if you could go back in time and, and give yourself one piece of advice, what would, be, what would be that one piece of advice you'd give yourself, Nick? I think potentially the biggest, most important piece of advice uh, comes down to your time horizon on things. And it involves being patient. No one likes to hear that. Literally no one likes to hear that. Everyone wants to be successful. Everyone wants to be rich. Everyone wants six pack abs, whatever. And they want it now. Mm -hmm. Because that's just the impulse society we live in. People want things now. But when it comes to success, whether it's fitness, finance, business, I don't care what it is. If you have the ability to extend your time horizon, so you sort of know the idea of delayed gratification. If you can do that, if you can master that, and it is hard, It is very hard. If you can do that, I think you're going to be much better off. And I've maybe been okay at that, but the last couple of years, I've just, it's 
it's like this blaring siren that's always going off in my head when I you know, read things or I see things. I'm just like, oh, well, people are more patient. If people had a longer term time horizon. If they were able to uh, you know, delay their gratification a bit, they're probably going to make better choices or different choices. And usually those better and different choices lead to better outcomes in the long term. 100%. Couldn't agree with more. I think that's a, that's a great perspective to have. Um, Nick, this has been awesome. I wish you the most success possible. Where can people find and follow you and your companies and your apps if they want to learn more and, and including your book? Give us a plug for that. Sure. Yeah. So uh, our company is uh, at RP Strength on Instagram. That's probably our most popular channel. Um, if you want to follow me personally or you know, shoot me a message or something, uh, at nick.shaw.rp on Instagram. Uh, my book is called Fit for Success. You can grab it on Amazon. It's the best place to get it. It's uh, Audible, uh, Kindle, or you can get a paperback version on there. And um, yeah, those are probably the best, best ways to connect. Beautiful. All righty, Nick. Well, thanks so much for, for taking the time to talk with us today. And again, wish you nothing but success. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it.